here. Uh, can I have all the fathers stand so we can just give you a hand and honor you? Um, just special today. Let's give them a hand as they stand, all the dads. How about, it, how about it expecting dads? If you're here and you're expecting, you can stand. All right, check it out. Sweet. All right, very cool. And those that are believing God to become dads someday when you're married. Yeah, um, we just want to say a special prayer for you today. Father, thank you for our dads here at Metro Believers Church. I know many of them are watching through our live stream audience today because they're on the road traveling to just honor their dads. And so we just pray a special blessing on them. We pray for your equipping anointing to be upon their lives, to just fill them with the capacity to be a good dad, a, a dad that helps lead his children closer to your heart, one that, that is able to tackle the tough issues of life and yet still just stay in love with their kids and in love with their kid's mom. We just pray for your, your blessing to be upon them today in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thanks for being here today. Um, if this is your first time, I don't know if we have any visitors, but if this is your first time here, we're just thank, thankful that you decided to to join us today. We also just want to say, if you're looking for a church home, we would love to have you. There's a bunch of not-so-perfect people here at Metro Believers Church, I being one. Um, so uh, if you're looking for a home church, we, we'd love for you to at least consider us. Um, as I said, welcome live stream audience. We're glad that you're here today. How many of you are ready to study the Bible today? And just let God just sort of mess with us and in a good way and uh, really have his way in our hearts. In our last series, I think I mentioned this last week, in our last series we talked about quiet the riot. The whole idea behind that was to silence some of the voices in our lives that destroy us, that sort of get, get us off track and sort of mess us up. Hey, if you don't have one of our outlines, slip up your hands and our ushers will get you one. Um, if you'd like one or a pen, you're welcome to get that as well. But we talked about just silencing those voices that, that try to destroy us, mess us up. If we started with, with our voice, we talked about other voices, and we talked about the enemy. How many remember that? We talked about the enemy's voice trying to destroy our life. Because the Bible says the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. There's that word, destroy. But Jesus said, I have what? Come that you might have what? Life and have it to its full. So. In this new series called The Voice, that's what we're talking about now, uh, we don't want to silence the voice. We want to learn to tune in to God's voice. Amen? We want to learn how to tune in to God's voice. I, I don't know, some of you may not be old enough to remember sort of those radios that would be on, you know, the, the counter that you'd have to tune in. You know, now they're sort of digital and, you, you know, it, it, it kind of clarifies things. But back in the day, you know, we, you know, you'd have to really tune in to hear a particular station and you could get fuzziness, you know, right next door to it. Um, and that's the way it is for some people's life, um, sometimes even my own, sometimes to tune in to God's voice. And, and so we've been talking about learning that process. And there's nothing, to me, there's nothing more fundamental about the Christian life and about the Christian walk than learning how to tune in to God's voice and um, actually learn how to determine or ascertain God's will. It's, it's, it's the quest and the question for every single believer, I think, at one point or another in our lives. And um, God is still on the throne, amen? <laughs> God is still speaking. Yeah. Hebrews 11.25 says that. It says, see to it, see to it that you do not refuse him, everyone say him, yeah. him who still speaks. God wants to speak to us. And I, I'm not talking about wackiness here. I just want you to know, I mean, there's been so many things done that are just crazy in his name that you know, people say that God spoke to them and tell, told them to kill their children. You've heard stories like that. Or do some other heinous act. And just the, thing, just the thought of some of those things just makes us all cringe when we, when we start to talk about that. 
And so I'm not talking about that nonsense and that craziness and that outlandishness, but I'm talking about legitimately, legitimately knowing how to discern God's will for your life and for life in general and learning how to hear his voice. Those inward, that inward voice and those inward impressions that God sort of lays on us to help lead us in the direction that he wants us to go. Last week, we looked at a verse I think that's very, very important. First John chapter 5, if you have your Bibles with, with you, you can turn there or your apps. You can open that up perhaps to First John chapter 5. We'll look at verse 14 and 15. It says, this is the what? This is the confidence. Everyone say confidence. This is the confidence that we have in approaching God. Let's stop there. You can have confidence in approaching God, right? Amen? You can have confidence in approaching God. So this is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that we ask, if we ask anything according to his will, we know he hears us. And then it goes on to say, we know if he hears us, we have whatever we've asked of him. Yeah. So the key here is to know God's, help me now, will. will. Right. So how do you know his will? How do you know his will? I mean, how many of you know his will in general is right here? You want to know, see, God's will and his word are one. Please understand that. God will never tell you to do something or encourage you to do something that's not in his word. Right? You know, he's not going to tell you to go steal some money, right? <laughs> how many of you know that's not God? Because why? How do we know that? Because it's what? It's, it's in his word, thou shalt what? Not steal. See, it, it's pretty amazing, but it's true. It's pretty simple. Have you ever wondered in your own heart, in your own life, does God have a specific will and a very unique will for me? Does he have something very unique and very specific for me and my life to do in his plan for my life? And if he does, if he does, how in the world do I figure that out? How do I come to that conclusion? How, how, did, how did I come to the conclusion that God wanted me to do what I'm doing right now? And that's what this series is really all about. It's really about, you know, understanding sort of the basic parameters, if you will, of how you actually, some of the things that are important, some of the basics. Next week, we'll get into a little bit more of the dynamics, but today we're talking about basics. Last week, we tried to get everybody back in the fairway using the golf metaphor. And we tried to get everybody back in the fairway, and we talked about three different aspects of getting in the middle so you can hear God's voice, getting back in place or position, if you will, just like in the game of golf. It's tough to play golf from the rough. It's tough to play golf in the water, right? You know, to the left or to the right. <laughs> and that's generally where I'm at <laughs> when I'm playing this game called golf. You know, I'm in the high weeds or I'm typically not in the fairway, you know. And so, getting back in the fairway, we talked about, uh, we talked about first of all, the, the sort of the, the one side of the fairway, before you get in the rough, is the sovereign will of God. We talked about the sovereign will of God simply meaning that which he has already ordained. That, you know, he, Jesus came and he's coming back. How many of you know that? No matter what you and I say or do, he's, he's just doing it, <laughs> okay? That's the, that's the sovereign will of God, simplistic approach, but it is. That's part of it. Second, the other side of the fairway, before you get in the rough, sort of is the moral will of God, or that which is written, see? Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my words. How many of you love him today? Let me see your hands. Well, the Bible says then we should keep his words, not just the kind of words that we like to hear, but sometimes the kind of words that are corrective and challenging, and speak to our hearts and speak to perhaps our disobedience, if you will. And I can't tell you how many times the Lord, by his word, has corrected me. And that's why I say oftentimes, how many of you are ready to study the Bible, and how many of you are what? Ready to let God mess with you. Because he wants to. He loves us, 
too much to leave us like we are. See? And so God wants to mess with us. And I can't tell you how many times I've, I've gotten the scriptures and I've read something and all of a sudden I had an attitude perhaps or a perspective or an idea or I was just simply walking in disobedience to something God had already told me. And somehow as I'm reading the written word of God, the moral word of God, the moral will of God, somehow he speaks back into my heart and gets me back on track. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? So... And then the third aspect of what we talked about last week is being right smack dab in the middle of the fairway, and that's the personal will of God, the personal will of God for your life. In other words, that which is yet to be determined. See, I believe that everyone in this room today has an aspect of God's will that is yet to be determined that is yet for you to find out, that is yet for you to discover. Even myself, I know that there are things in my life that, that, that I have yet to discover that God has for me. Amen? And that's the cool thing is when you think about that, you know that, that God is always at work. God is always designing things on your behalf. God is always placing you in various positions to experience what he has for you. He's not finished with any of us yet. Amen? He's not finished. I don't care how old you are. You know, he's not finished with you. We have our blessed Hattie who went to Ohio this week to visit her family. And, uh, you know, she's what, 82 or 83? 82. God's not finished with her yet. Amen? She's here serving and loving people, and God still has things in store for her. Amen? And so thank God for that. We, we want to discover the personal will of God for our life on a continuous basis. Jeremiah 29, 11 simply says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. What a great verse. You ought to have this on your refrigerator or memorized. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans, plans to give you hope. And a future. Your future looks bright in him. Amen? Your future looks bright in him. God has plans for your life, and he wants you to discover that. Remember I said last week simply this. Remember that your design reveals your destiny. Your design, your design or your shape, and last week Matt talked about your shape in discovery class, uh, 301 up in the conference room up, up top at the Princeton Club that your design or your shape reveals your destiny. When you find out how you're designed and the shape you have and some of the various aspects of your personality and your giftings and your abilities and all those things and you learn how to put them together with your passion, it's amazing how life can look and what you can experience. So today, I want to take another step in understanding God's will for your life. And, and maybe some of you would say today that, you know what, I, I, I've been doing those things. You know, I understand the supreme will of God or the sovereign will of God. I understand the moral will of God or the written word of God. And I understand that God has a personal will for my life. But it's just still not working. I'm still not, I'm still not tuning in here. I'm still not quite getting it. So what am I doing wrong? How can, how can I learn how to go to the next level? Does anyone want to know that? Amen. There's like five of you. All right. <laughs> yeah, so the truth is, I think, the truth is that many of us, one of the problems, and, and first I'm going to talk about the problem, and then I'm going to talk about the solution. One of the problems is that many of us are using what I call unreliable methods unreliable methods to try to determine or discover or ascertain God's will. It's like the old saying, we're looking for love in all the wrong places, right? <laughs> it's like saying we're looking for direction or discernment in all the wrong places. We often try all kinds of things to hear God's voice or to help us get a sense for the direction of our life. And last week I just mentioned 
uh, this whole thing about a fleece. You know, this idea of a fleece. Gideon, back in the Old Testament, used the fleece method, you know. And, and let me just say this. In the Old Testament, they were not necessarily alive spiritually like you and I are today. See, we've been born again. When, when we come to Christ, God, we become born again. Amen? Amen? And our spirit is ignited and alive. And the primary way that God speaks to us in the New Testament is through our spirit, man. Amen. Not through all sorts of obstacles and things out there. See, Gideon, you know, he said, God, if it's your will that I do this, then give me a sign. Give, give me a sign. And let the, the, this, this fleece, this wool, have dew on it in the morning and nothing else around it. And he got up and there was dew and he wrung it out and he said, I need another sign. <laughs> he said, tomorrow when I wake up, I, I want everything, everything around it to be wet and for it to be dry. And he got up and it was, it was dry. So he determined that was God's will for his life. But how many of you know God, I mean, the enemy can manipulate things to make it look like, the Bible says that he's an, he comes as an angel of light, right? And he's not. So you have to understand that. And, if, and if, you, if you turn to some of the Old Testament techniques in a New Testament believer, they get a little confusing, okay? So the fleece method, some of you try the fleece method, and, and I've seen people do the fleece thing and really felt like they, that, that fleece told them this was God's will, and they followed it out, and it was not God's will. And they found out it, it was not a good thing. And they came back later and said, you know, I totally missed it because it wasn't the right. Now, some people try the pros and cons. I'm talking about the wrong method. Um, the pros and cons, you know, you sort of stack one up against the other and you make a decision based upon what's best for you. Some people, I love going sometimes, I'll, I'll go to Starbucks and people will run and look at their horoscope, you know. Some people try the horoscope method, you know. What's the, what's the will of God for my life? Let me look at my horoscope. <laughs> yeah, generally, some, some read magazines. You like Red Book or whatever. I don't know what the magazines are out there. They, they're trying to discover what they're supposed to do. Some, some watch Dr. Phil, you know. <laughs> Phil, please, please tell me what I am supposed to do with my life. And here's the kicker. Some people turn to fortune cookies, right? You ever tried the fortune cookie method? Yeah, you get a cookie and you open it up and, and you feel like you're going to meet somebody and then somebody comes into your life and you decide to build a relationship with them and then fi finally you find out it's not such a good fortune. <laughs> fortune cookies. How many of you know you don't need a fortune cookie to discover your future? Amen. It's already written, right? It's already written. We, we can lean on the word, the written word of God for our, our future and God's will for our lives. And, and as, as a result, oftentimes, we can get deep into it and trust God, and he can begin to show us through our spirit man his personal will for our lives. So it's, these are not God's methods. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 14, look at that verse with me. It says in verse 12, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to what? It leads to death. A lot of these methods lead to death. Not, not necessarily physical death, but disappointment, um, spiritual death, discouragement. So let's look at four common mistakes here that we make in the pursuit of God's will. Four common mistakes that we make in the pursuit of God's will. First of all, we hear too many voices. We hear too many voices. See, life has a ton of voices, a ton of activity, and it can be confusing. It can be extremely noisy. Some of us, some of us are way too busy sort of burning the candle at both ends. And how many of you know if you burn the candle at both ends, chances are you're going to get what? Burnt. <laughs> it's not a good thing. Not a good thing. Our life is like, it's kind of like, I use the metaphor of Lambeau Fields. Some of you may have been there. How many of you have been to Lambeau Field? Let me see your hands. Okay. How many of you been to Camp Randall? Let me see your hands. All right. So you got like, you know, 70,000 people or whatever, you know, in the stands. So there's like 
69,999 voices competing with yours. And it's just difficult, it's difficult to focus, it's difficult, it's difficult to hear and understand. And, and we have too many voices in our life. We have all sorts of crazy things happening in our lives. We're just too busy. We're too busy. And we have so many things, so many activities going on, sometimes it's, it's hard to hear God's voice in the midst of all of that. And sometimes the other voice in our life is us, now get this, us trying to change God's Word to suit what I want. <laughs> sometimes that's a, that's a voice we shouldn't be listening to. You know, God says to do something, and you say, but God, I want to do this. God says we should forgive. How many of you think the Bible says that? Let me see your hands. And then, and then, and then we think, well, but, but I can't. That's a voice, our voice, trying to convince God that he needs to change, not us. So we hear too many voices. Some, some try to twist the will of God to fit what they want. Check this out in 2 Timothy chapter 4. This is the word of God, just so you know. Verse, verse, chapter 4, verse 3, for the time will come, and I kind of think we're here, when men will not put up with sound doctrine, just, just basic, basic orthodoxy, okay, sound doctrine, sound teaching from Scripture. They won't, they won't want it. They won't put up with it. Instead, in other words, there's another choice they make. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Now, hopefully that's not anyone here in this room. See, God wants us to stay tethered to his word and sound doctrine. Can somebody say amen? Yeah. I mean, a lot of, a lot of people really don't want God's will. They want, they want to do their own thing, and they want God to bless what they're doing rather than wanting his will for their life. And one of the basic fundamental aspects of the Christian life in total surrender is to simply say, God, not my will, but your will be done. Amen? Every single one of us need to say that on a regular basis. God, I don't want what I want. I want what you want. How many of you believe Father knows best? It's Father's Day. Father, our Father God knows best how to lead us and guide us and direct us. When we live a life that's in total surrender, to his will. This next one is pretty simple, but you need to say it because it's, it's once again a problem with a lot of people. We don't, second, we don't ask God. We don't ask God. I'm talking about four common mistakes that people make. We just don't ask God. We don't. We don't include him. We don't say, God, I believe you have a plan for my life. What is it? Will you show me? Will you teach me your ways? Will you, will you reveal it to me? Will you speak to me in my private devotions? Will you speak to me through the word when it's being taught? Would you, would you speak into my life as I hear your word? Would you show me? See, we don't ask. I can't tell you how many people I talk to where they'll tell me a situation they're going through or, or something that they've dealt with, and I'll say, well, have you prayed about it? Have you asked God? Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> and look at, look at, you know, sometimes we want, we want to know God's will, but we really don't involve God in that process. It's true. I mean, he's kind of like the last resort, right? Uh, James chapter 4, verse 2, I think you have it in your notes, but you can look at that. You don't have because you don't ask. It's so fundamental. It's so simple that we miss it. You don't, you don't have because you don't ask. And, and, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, total disclosure here, sometimes I do that. <laughs> sometimes I find myself doing that. Sometimes, you know, I'll try, I'll, I'll try other methods before I talk to God about it. I'll, I'll phone a friend, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll call up one of my pastor friends and ask them or, you know, phone a friend or what's some of the other things that back that show Millionaire or something? 
Who wants to be a millionaire used to do? What is it? Yeah, ask the audience, whatever, you know, just all kinds of other input, right? And then I'll go, wait a minute, I need to pray about this. I need to ask God, does anyone know what I'm talking about? Just being real, come on. And, and you know, I, I find myself doing that. And if I get stumped, you know, if I get stumped after all that, then I go to God. How many of you think I ought to reverse that? How many think you ought to reverse that? <laughs> yeah. I don't know about you, but I have to admit it. So James chapter 1, verse 5, check this out. It's a great verse for you to memorize. If anyone lacks wisdom, and maybe some of you lack wisdom when it comes to God's will for your life right now. That's, that's lacking wisdom. God, what do you want for me? What do you, what do you ha- want for my life? Here I am. Send me. What do you want? He says, if anyone lacks wisdom, he should what? Can we all say those two words together? He should what? He should ask God, right? There it is. Ask God. And here's God's response. Check the rest of this verse out. Who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. Wow. Lord, God's longing to give you wisdom. God's longing to give you insight. God's longing to show you where he wants you. The third thing, third thing we do that is a common mistake is we give up too early. We give up too early. Have you ever felt like you heard from God and things just started going in the wrong direction? <laughs> you know, when we first started this church, I'll never forget, we, you know, we used to pray our guts out in Tulsa, Oklahoma for this church and this city and these churches and pastors in the city, and then we finally moved here and decided we were going to launch our first service, and, and we sent out 55,000 mailers. Everyone say, that's a lot of mailers. mailers. 55,000 mailers, yeah. And so, you know, we did our due diligence, we did our research, and we found that, that on a national average, that in terms of return on investment, if you will, of sending out mailers, the national average was one-half of one percent. I mean, I've got friends all over the United States, and they all pretty much said the same thing. When we sent out a mailer, it's pretty much guaranteed one-half of one percent will show up from the mailer. You know, if you're introducing a new series or a new church or something, you know, typically. So that meant that we should have had 275 people show up for our first service from the mailer. We had eight. <laughs> Remember David? Huh? And 800 bagels. <laughs> yeah. We had eight show up. How many of you know it didn't look good? It, it didn't look good. Yeah. It's, it, you think, God, hello, is you tooth? Is this you? Right? But then you look back over the last 17 years, and, and, and I, as I said on our anniversary, I did back and did some of the statistics from our church, and we've had well over 1,000 people come to Christ, surrender their life to the Lord, get saved in our church since we started. Come on, somebody. And I could go on and on and on. I won't take the time to do that. But, but it didn't. How many of you know, we, if, I, I know pastors that have come to the city, and they planted a church. And a year and a half later, they shut the doors because they only have 20 or 30 people. I believe some of those gave up too early. Just, I, I can't judge them, but I just feel like if they'd have stuck it out just a little longer and, and, and continue to sow the right kind of seed, I think that they would. I know another pastor who couldn't get his church over 100. It was ranged between 60 and 70 and just said, I'm not going to pastor a church under 100. So he left. See, and sometimes, and, and now translate that into your life personally. How many times do we give up too early on what we sense the Lord saying to us? Because I promise you, when God speaks in your heart and, and kind of shows you the path and, and gives you direction, I promise you the enemy wants to destroy it. Did you hear me? And so we got to fight that fight, stand our ground, amen, and trust the Lord to give us direction to continue on in the fight. 
See, sometimes, sometimes God is more interested in our character than our comfort. And I promise you, God wants to teach all of us a life lesson in the midst of all of those difficulties and struggles. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36 talks about perseverance. You need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what has been promised to you. Everyone say persevere. That's not an easy thing to do. It's not an easy thing to do to persevere. Sometimes you just want to quit, <laughs> right? And I think some of us are giving up too soon. And last, last but not least in terms of common mistakes is we rely too much on logic. We rely too much on logic. See, our minds oftentimes, oftentimes get in the way in the process. It, I, I, you know, I'll figure this out myself. You know, we do the whole pros and cons thing, you know, about, you know, God's best and, and the whole idea of do we move or not move? Do we, do we take this job or not that job? You know, all that kind of stuff is, is difficult. Sometimes we just boil it all down to simple logic. We don't pray about it. We don't ask God about it. We don't ask his advice about it. We don't ask other people in our life. The Bible says in the multitude of counselors, there's safety, right? And we just go based on logic. What do I think? What do I think? Yeah. And I found out that here's, here's a big problem. We often limit God to the size of our own brain. We often, often limit God to the size of our own brain. As I said a little while ago, God wants to speak to us in our spirit. And some things in life are only spiritually discerned. Did you hear me? Now check this verse out in 1 Corinthians 2. It'll talk about that. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14. The man without the spirit does not accept the things that are from the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because, what? They are spiritually, what? Discerned. See, you have to learn how to discern spiritual things. You have to learn that. It's not an easy process, but you can learn it. How to, how to actually spiritually discern things. And he does it, like I said, in the middle of the Spirit of God. See, we are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. Everyone remember that. Three parts to you. Three dimensions, if you will. We are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. My spirit, man, you cannot see. That's the real me. Did you hear me? My soul is my mind, my will, and my emotions. Many of you see the effects of that. But my body is what you see. I call it my earth suit. <laughs> it's, the, it's the thing that gives me the permission to stay on the planet. When my body is gone, and I'm going to be talking about that later this year, the whole idea of what happens when we die. What happens one second after we draw our, our last breath, what happens? What does that look like? I'm going to be talking about that this year. Yeah, I, they're spiritually discerned. You can't go by logic. If you try to go by logic, then you're walking in the natural. You're walking in the, the, the circumstances of life in the physical world, and, and you'll never spiritually discern things when you're trying to do things by logic. See? So let me give you a couple examples. I... Um, when I was praying about coming here, Vicki and I both, um, we had an opportunity um, to move to Edmond, Oklahoma. Anyone ever heard of Edmond, Oklahoma? It's right outside of Oklahoma City, okay? About an hour and 15 minutes from Tulsa, where we lived. And I, I was asked to come and talk to the outgoing pastor of a church of 3,000 or more. And they had a huge campus, 75 acres. Matter of fact, on the interstate there, they had a cross that was probably no less than 150 feet, 200 feet high. It was huge, okay? It was huge. Matter of fact, that campus has now become a campus of Life Church with Craig Rochelle, all right? 
But I was asked to come, Vicki and I, come and consider taking that church, okay? And they, so they asked me. They rolled out the carpet and said, would you, would you, would you consider taking the church? So, you know, it was 75 acres, a little over 3,000 people. You know, I could write my own ticket, basically. Logic would have said go. Another opportunity after we said no. Another opportunity came up in Cahokia, right outside of St. Louis, Missouri. They had a million dollars in the bank. They debt-free campus. They asked me if I would take the church. They wanted to give it to me, just take it. We've got all this money for you to work with and to do something significant in this community. Would you be our pastor? How many of you believe logic would have said what? Go. (laughs) Then there's this incredible opportunity to come to Madison. (laughs) Where there was nothing here. There was no paycheck, (laughs) no people, zero We had to believe God for every single pencil and piece of paper. And logic would have said what? No! See, Edmond, Oklahoma would have said, go! Cahokia, go! Madison, what? No! You idiot! (laughs) See, that's logic for you. There's some people here that have met their spouse at this church. Right, David? Krista? Kristen? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, and several others. I'm just mentioning just one. But there's been several, I mean, tons of people have had life-changing experiences through at Metro Believers Church. And I could have said no. And I could have said go if I was basing my life on logic. Did you hear me? Someone said, Glenn, if you go to Madison, you'll be leaving everything to go to nothing. So that's the way it looked on paper. That's the way it looked logically. But in my heart, I knew, Vicki and I both knew where we belonged. And so, see, sometimes you have to do that, right? You have to do what doesn't look logically right. So let me, let me help you real quick with a couple of things to get you back on the right track. So those are the common mistakes. What do we do to help really discern spiritually the will of God for our life? First of all, you've got to eliminate distractions. You have to eliminate some of those voices, some of those distractions to hear God's will. It, it might, sometimes it's, we've, we've just decided to get involved with a bunch of garbage and sin, and it's clouded us. Just sometimes we're not following hard after God, see? And we're listening to too many other things like I talked to or talked about. But the Bible challenges all of us to get rid of some of that stuff. Sometimes I like to call it the junk in the trunk. <laughs> right? And, and check this verse out in Hebrews chapter 12. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Some of you have heard me say that time and time again. I have a lot of favorite verses in the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> It says this, let us throw off everything. What does that include? Everything. Everything. Let us throw off everything that hinders. Think about that. What's hindering you today? Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance. There's that word again. The race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. In other words, sometimes you need to eliminate some voices and, and, and get rid of some of that stuff that's hindering you. And most of the time, we know what that is. We know what's hindering us. We know what's sort of getting in the way, so to speak. We need to shut down some outside voices. Well, how do you do that? Let me give you a couple of thoughts. Fasting is a good one. How do you shut down these voices? Fasting is a great one. And I'm not talking about just food fasting. We, we all know food fasting is good. All right? But we also need to fast other things like media, social media, TV, you know, Facebook, Snapchat, text, you know, all sorts of different things, phone, the phone, emails. Sometimes we need to turn it all off. You know, another one. So fasting is one. Fasting, all sorts of things will help you eliminate some of those voices. Prayer is another one. Have you, ever, have you ever just taken a day off and devoted the entire day to prayer? 
Just one full day. God, I'm just going to pray. I'm just going to I'm going to just read Scripture and pray. Here's another one, retreats. Have you ever just gone away and shut things down, left your phone back at home or left it in the car? Maybe camped out somewhere? A lot of us guys used to do that. We just go camping for a day, do a little spiritual retreat so you can hear from heaven to eliminate distractions in your life so you can learn to tune in to God's voice and hear him more clearly. John chapter 10 says, in terms of hearing his voice and eliminating other voices, is when he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Do you know his voice? Have you trained yourself to know his voice? And then it goes on to say, a voice of a stranger they will not follow. This is one of the first verses in my life that years ago when I started to know that I could hear God's voice and I could know his voice. See, I've trained myself this Tuesday, two days from today, Vicki and I will celebrate 43 years of marriage. Yeah, come on. I've been married to this incredible woman. Now, I've trained myself to know her voice and she's trained herself to know my voice. Now, she can, you know, there could be a bunch of people in the room, and she can say something, and I pick it up. I know. Why? Because I've trained myself to know her voice. Have you trained yourself to know God's voice? You can do that. Amen. You have to tune in, learn. Just like, just like a marriage or a relationship, you have to work on it. See? Learn how to train yourself to hear God's voice with all the voice recognition software we have out there for our phones and our tablets and all sorts of different things, you know, it picks up on the nuances of your cadence and your voice. Well, we need to pick up on the nuances and the cadence of God's voice. So we have that voice recognition, if you will. You've got to train yourself. The second, the second thing that you can do is just give your whole heart to God. Make sure, make sure that you're not holding back anything, that you have decided that you're going to follow Jesus, your whole heart. The Bible says that, that, that God wants us to seek him so we can find him. Check this out. You will seek me and find me when you seek for me with all of your heart. He wants us to seek for him. It's kind of like a kid's hide-and-seek game, you know. You play hide-and-seek with your kids, and, and you, you're easily found because you're so big. <laughs> I found out God kind of plays that way. You know, if we'll do the seeking, he'll make sure we find him. Amen? Right. And so here's the deal. Here's the deal. Are you developing a close relationship with the Lord? Have you, have you given him your whole heart? Or are you kind of holding back? I'll give you 99% God, but I want this 1% for my own. Give him your whole heart. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about relationship here. Talking about putting him first in our lives and deferring to him in everything that we say or do. This is what the Bible says if we do that. And Psalm 37 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, I'm not saying he's going to give you everything you want. I believe that, that when you do this, he will give you the right desires. The third thing is simply trust God. Trust God. See, when you know what God is saying, you can take a leap. <laughs> you have to take a leap. You know, it's, there's a point at which you have, to, you have to fish or cut bait, right? Old saying. In other words, you have to do what you sense in your heart to do. Don't be afraid to get out of the boat. Yeah. Using the metaphor that Peter did. There's a point at which you need to get out of the boat. Remember the Raiders of, Raiders of the Lost Ark? Some of, you, some of you don't remember this movie, but there's a point at which he had to step out into nothingness, right? And there, there was a point at which Vicki and I had to decide, we're moving to Madison. <laughs> we're selling everything. We're loading up the truck and we're moving to Beverly. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right? Now check this verse out in Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6 talking about your whole heart. Trust in the Lord with what? With all. All. Everyone say all. Not some. Just all. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding, logic, 
just the way you figure out everything, the way you do it all the time. Lean not unto your own understanding, but in all your ways, how many? All your ways, do what? Acknowledge him, defer to him. Say, God, what do you want? God, what are you saying? God, what's your will here? Show me. I'm, I'm not talking about, God, would you show me if I should go to pick and, pick and save or target? I'm not talking about that. I'm ta- <laughs> Who has the best prices? <laughs> and all your ways acknowledge him, and he'll make your path straight. Yeah. See, it's a challenge because sometimes, sometimes in God, I just want you to know this, sometimes in God, God's wisdom seems backwards, like I talked about coming to Madison versus going to Edmond, Oklahoma. Sometimes it's just that way. Like, for example, you'll be, you know, the first shall be what? Last, right? Okay. Give, and it what? Will be given to you. <laughs> backwards. It's like, okay. You know, if you want to save your life, you'll lose it. If you want to lose your life, you'll save it, right? It's kind of backwards. It, you know, even tithing. If you'll give me the 10%, honor me with the first fruits of your income, I'll open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. You'll not have room enough to contain. It's like, so I'm supposed to give 10% of my income and I'm supposed to live on 90%. And if you find out tithing, you understand it and you'll find out in your own heart how God can make up the 10% and then some. See? Just basic stuff where it's, it just seems like it's inverted. It's, if you go by simple logic, you may miss it. And so question here is, where do you need to trust God? Where is he asking you to do something big? Learn how to trust him. Learn how to trust him. And last but not least, as we wrap this up this morning, follow peace. Follow peace. See, God leads through peace. Did you know that? God, the umpire in our heart, you've, you know, you've seen baseball, and the umpire calls out, safe, all that kind of stuff, foul, strike, balls, all that kind of stuff. The umpire, and ultimately determining God's will, determining God's will is the peace inside of your heart, a supernatural peace. See, the enemy cannot give you peace. Philippians chapter 4 says, don't be anxious about anything. But everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. See, the peace of God, I like to say it this way the peace of God is kind of like the guardrail on the highway, it'll keep you from going in the ditch. It'll keep you from going off the road. Years ago, when I owned my own business, I had an employee, and we went duck hunting for like three day, days in a row, and we didn't sleep much. And one day, I asked him to drive back or drive to the next place, and 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 I went took a little nap. I woke up, I woke up to us sideswiping a car on the freeway because he had fallen asleep <laughs> at the wheel. Thank God for that car because we looked back, and it was there was a cliff right there that went down about 150 feet straight over the edge. And peace is kind of like a guardrail or a car, if you will, keeping us from going off the edge. See, live in that peace zone. Follow peace. When you've done all the other things, follow peace. In closing today, as the worship team comes, some here today are facing some pretty big decisions. I mean, you got your, you, perhaps it's a job situation, perhaps it's a your marriage, perhaps, perhaps it's money, family, spiritual life. Maybe, maybe you know, you're dealing with a relationship, a church situation. Perhaps, let's stand to our feet. I want to pray for you before we go today. How many of you would say, I'm facing a decision or they need to hear from heaven? Let me see your hands. All right, all over. Could it be that you need to give him more of your heart? Could it be? Just saying. Could it be that you need to commit yourself more fully and wholly to him? And if, and if that's true, God will start to mess with you a little bit right now. You just feel like there's something that you're not giving him, and he's saying, 
Maybe today you need to do that. Area of your life that you've been holding back or you know you need to release to him. Some of you here need the peace of God in your life. You need to give him your life. You need to surrender totally and wholly to him. The Bible says in John 16, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. Let's bow our heads. Guide you. Some of you here today, I mean, many of you raised your hand that you've got a decision to make that you need to hear from God. But perhaps some of you are here today and you say, I I feel like I need to give him more of my life. I I need to turn over my entire life to him. And I feel like I've not done that like I should. Would you pray for me? Would you slip up your hand? I'll pray for you. God bless you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you all over. God bless you. Thanks for your honesty. He is thrilled with that. God, thank you so much for my friends here today that have just said, you know what, today I just need to surrender all of my life to you. Help them to do that, God. Not to just sort of go through the motions and raise their hand emotionally, but from their hearts spiritually. Help them, Father, to do that. Help them, God, to to spiritually discern things. Give them the capacity to to be spiritually minded and not just earthly minded. God, I pray for every single person who are are basically saying they need your help, God. They want to hear from heaven. They need you to lead them and guide them. They have decisions to make that they need your wisdom in. And you said if any any man lacks wisdom, he could ask of God. He could ask you, and you'd give it to us abundantly. So, Lord, we want to ask you today for your wisdom. We want to ask you to show us your will for our lives. The specifics, God. We commit to the general will of God and the sovereign will of God. We're asking you to help us with the personal side. Would you do that, Lord? Just come and visit every single person in this place, every single person watching online. Just lift your hands and just thank him for the answer right now. Just do that. Say, God, thank you. Thank you for leading me. Thank you for guiding me. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for your help. Thank you for speaking to this situation. Just thank him in advance. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's just worship for a few minutes here and we'll be dismissed. Just, let, just sort of bask in that and let God speak to you. Heaven's throne.